You're listening to Rock of Ages, where I introduce my theater kid friends to my favorite classic rock albums. And when we look at a concert album or a rock opera, they introduce me to their favorite musicals. everyone today we're talking about jethro toll aqualung with me i have paul and Romy. hey aqualung is the fourth studio album by british rock band jethro toll released on march 19th 1971 on chrysalis and island records in europe and reprise records in america japan and oceania which is basically like australia new zealand and that stuff it was produced by ian anderson the lead singer slash flautist and terry ellis and the genres are progressive rock folk rock and hard rock and from all music review bruce edder the leap from 1970s benefit to the following year's Aqualung is one of the most astonishing progressions in rock history. In the space of one album, Toll went from relatively unassuming electrified folk rock to larger-than-life conceptual rock full of sophisticated compositions and complex intellectual lyrical constructs. While the leap to full-blown prog rock wouldn't be taken until a year later on Thick as a Brick, the degree to which Toll up the ante here is remarkable. The lyrical concept, the hypocrisy of Christianity in England, is stronger than on most other 70s conceptual efforts but it's ultimately the music that makes it worthy of praise. Toll's winning way with a riff was never so arresting on the chugging locomotive breath or on the character studies Aqualung and Cross-Eyed Mary, which portray believably seedy participants in Ian Anderson's story. The fable imagery of Mother Goose and the vitriolic anti-authoritarian sentiments of Lined Up both serve notice of Anderson's willful iconoclasm and his disillusionment with the spiritual traditions to which he was born. The varied but cohesive Aqualung is widely regarded as Toll's finest hour. Alright, what do we think of Jethro Toll Aqualung? Uh, yeah. Yeah, it's good. It's really, yeah. really, really, really good. Oh yeah. Yeah. I, I'm always no, I, I always forget how good this album is. I'm just now thinking of like Steve Gunner made a rip of like it, it's a baby park, but it's actually like Aqua Lung in like a Sonic sound font, and it's just a picture of tails at like a playground. Whatever you do, don't let uh, Aqualung at a baby park. <laughs> yeah. Found it. Baby park beta mix. <laughs> Whenever I listen to a song individually of this album, like Aqualung, Cross-Eyed Mary, My God, Locomotor Breath, I'm like, oh yeah, these are some really dope songs. But when I listen to them, like, in the context of the album, when I'm listening to the album in full, I'm like, wow, these, al- these songs are just larger than life. It's unreal. Yeah, I- it's a concept album about how we live in a society. 
we'll get to that um, about how it's a concept album. But uh, until then, uh, what were your favorite tracks on here? Because there's like four easy ones you could say are your favorite. Yeah, I I love Aqualung, of course, but I. I Same. also love Mother Goose. As I said in the Pretty Odd episode uh, just over a year ago, um, it re- kind of reminds me of um, like uh, the concept of story theater, which... Um, oh, yeah. I, I remember you told me about story theater. Uh, was John C. Riley involved in that at all? No, he was involved in a similar thing called Gather, which uh, nobody will ever see outside of the people that saw it at Pasadena Playhouse. Oh, um, that's right. We ever... mentioned it in Crosby, Stills, and Nash episode. Yes! It's all connected. This uh, Crosby, Stills, and Nash, Panic at the Disco, Pretty Odd. <laughs> Let's see what else is at the uh, Pasadena Playhouse soon. Hmm. Um, a one-woman show starring uh, the actress Kate Berlant. It was originally directed by Bo Burnham. Oh, nice. Uh, I love Aqualong, the song. But I always found it weird that it was Jethro Tull's most famous song, and it doesn't have the flute in it. And that is Jethro yeah. Tull's most famous instrument. Flute only comes in on the second song. Like, the beginning of Cross-Eyed Mary is great. It's very beautiful. Yeah. What I like most about the flute on this album is that most times Ian Anderson isn't trying to make the flute sound beautiful. He's he's turning it into a rock instrument, and he's actually succeeding. Yeah. Mm. Uh, I think my favorite uh, song on here is My God, which... My God, that yeah. third solo. Yeah. yeah. Whether or not they deserve to win a Grammy over Metallica is uh, <laughs> up in the air. Oh, yeah, for uh, 1987's Crest of a Knave, an album you probably never heard of until I just mentioned it. Mm. As opposed to Metallica's <laughs> And Justice for All, which is probably one of the most famous metal albums of all time. Yeah. I'm just saying, who, which one will you have uh, heard of before? Yeah. Because I'm telling... <laughs> I'm telling you, I remember uh, I haven't had Justice for All CD in my basement. Uh, I don't recall ever seeing any Crest of a Knave CDs just lying around. Does this mean I should get a Crest of a Knave CD? Maybe. Yeah. But anyway, um, it's like uh, when Steely Dan 2 Against Nature or something won over, like, what the hell was happening then? Like, Eminem? Oh, yeah. Em- like, Steely Dan won a Grammy over Eminem and Radiohead. Kid A? Oh. Yeah. I mean, I love Steely Dan, but, like, Kid A? You're choosing, like, their penultimate album when they're, like, in their 60s over Kid A? Yeah. <laughs> but, um, let's talk about Jethro Tull Aqualung, which, um, if this was released in 1987, I might actually, uh, be okay with it beating out Metallica's and Justice for All at the Grammys. But it's uh, forever tied to 1971, so what can it do? Uh, fun fact, uh, Jethro Tull recorded this album at Headley Grange, the famous castle mansion in England, where many of famous albums were recorded. Most notably, Led Zeppelin IV. Um, actually, wow. the two bands were recording their albums at the same time. And uh, legend has it that when Martin Barr, the guitarist, was playing the guitar solo for Aqualung, Jimmy Page just uh, snuck in there and just, just waved at him to distract him. And Martin Barr says he he flubbed a note because of that. And to this day, no one has ever found the note. <laughs> But it's there, um, apparently. That reads the same, same energy story I heard about Kylie Minogue and Rick Astley. They were both part of the um, the same hit factory. And uh, Kylie Minogue was going to record her song, I Should Be So Lucky. But she had to sideline it because Rick Astley had to record something the same day. 
And um, how many of you are willing to bet that that song, she was the first person to be sidelined by never going to give you up? <laughs> it's oh my gosh. Famous moments in Rickroll history. Right up there with the Macy's parade. Yeah. I'm surprised that Rick Astley didn't just do a cameo in Foster's Home for Imaginary Friends. Yeah. It's like if there's like a amphibia float at the Macy's parade. And then Dave Grohl comes out and sings Best of You. Yeah, and like, and I thought you were going to say, like, Dave Grohl comes out and gets a bunch of people to sing Summer Breeze. He could do that, too. He could definitely do that, too. Oh, my God. Like, oh, my God. Amphibia reunion episode where they, the entire cast sings Summer Breeze with Dave Grohl for some reason. And Jack Black and Jimmy Buffett and etc. And Tenacious D and John C. Riley and Beck. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Um, the album cover was actually uh, designed by Ian Anderson's then uh, partner, Jenny Anderson. She just wandered around the slums of England, uh, just drawing like the seedy underbelly and these homeless oh. people. Um, it was, it's a very interesting character study thing actually that the two did jenny uh painted the pictures and ian wrote the lyrics and on the yeah. uh, on the back of the album there's a little uh proverb here do you want me to read it okay in the beginning man created god and in the image of man created be him and man gave unto god a multitude of names that he might be lord over all the earth when it was suited to him suited to man and on the seven millionth day, man rested and did lean heavily on his god and saw that it was good. And man formed Aqualung of the dust of the ground, and a host of others likened unto his kind. And these lesser men man did cast into the void, and some were burned, and some were put apart from their kind. And man became the god that he had created, and with his miracles did rule over the earth. But as these things did come to pass, the spirit that did cause man to create his god lived on within all men even with an aqualung, and man saw it not. But for Christ's sake, he better start looking. Yeah. <laughs> Probably, it's not like laugh out loud, but it subverts your expectations. Yeah, it's like, I bet she Willis would like it because it subverts expectations. Uh, so we're listening to Mother Goose right now. This is one of your favorites, Remy? Yeah. What is it about? I have no idea what this is about. I don't know, actually. <laughs> I, was kind I of just, assumed it was... To quote Marge Simpson, I just think it's neat. I was kind of assumed it was if Mother Goose was invented by J.J.R. Tolkien. <laughs> For some reason, I think it's about a guy who skips school or something. Because it keeps mentioning, like, they didn't know I was a schoolboy. And uh, to me, that's like, oh, what, is he skipping school or something? That freak. Freak. <laughs> I was kind of confused by the... I didn't realize that... Piccadilly Circus is a pun. Is it? Yeah, it's like elephants and lions too. It's a Piccadilly Circus. Hmm. I don't know if I'm saying it right, but apparently hmm. it's actually a it's a famous part of London. Hmm. It's actually a road. It's not even a circus. Yeah. It's hmm. circus in the Latin sense that it's a circle. Uh, well, I'm not British, so I wouldn't know. I, I looked it up. So, Cross-Eyed Mary, that, that one goes hard. Yes. Yeah. And it's about a a child prostitute, which is very heavy stuff. And there's all and I find it. Does anyone else find it weird that like in like this in like the third verse, Aqualung is mentioned again, but he's not mentioned yeah. throughout the entire album. She's yeah. like, this child is selling her body for money, and she's selling it to Aqualung. <laughs> and then we never see it either again. <laughs> It'd be funny if, like, Ian Anderson just decided to include, like, Aqualung and, and 
other of his albums just for the continuity he's just a recurring character like in jethro toll's 1979 album storm watch he's like storm watch watch the storm with aqualung last thing you want to see is a storm watching storm <laughs> but sometimes that might be what you get yeah. i don't Did know I where i was going with that i think it i sounded like chills that's why you said that yeah, yeah. number 15 aqualung the last thing you want to see is a man with snot running down his nose looking at girls with bad intent but sometimes <laughs> that might be what you get yeah it's very bold to start off the album about a man about a pedophile a homeless pedophile who has been failed by the british church state but it Ian Anderson makes it work. He's he's weird enough to make it work. He writes the lyrics in a way that don't feel sympathy for Aqualung. Because as soon as those first lines come in, you're like, why should I feel sympathy or empathy for a pedophile? Because like Ian Anderson's like, hey Aqualung, you're look at you, you messy, smelly piece of crap. Uh, look, um, you're kind of like us, you know, but just stay the hell away from us. <laughs> And it's that uh, one line in Cross-Eyed Mirror that mentions Aqualung is one of the few reasons why people consider this a, a concept album. Like, the first, uh, the first side is dedicated to how horrible British society has failed some of the lower-class individuals, and the second side is dedicated to questioning religion and the, uh, especially Christianity in uh, 20th yeah. century uh, England. Yeah. Despite the yeah. these themes and concepts that arise on each side of the album, Ian Anderson has made numerous attempts to say that this is not a concept album at all. And in, in fact, he said, like, uh, if you say to someone that an album has a few themes, they'll think it's a whole concept album, but it's not. And that's why in 1972, he wrote the album Thick as a Brick, a parody of a concept album that is a full-blown prog epic each side is 20 minutes long, each side is one song long, and that those two whole songs make one whole song, and that one whole song is 40 minutes long. Wow. Yeah. So yeah, he was really reaching, and it works. Mm. It's, one of my, it's like one of my favorite albums, because, you know, I, I like long songs. That's, that's my jam. <laughs> but respectively, I, I do have to disagree with Ian Anderson that this isn't a concept album. Like, just because there are two separate concepts on each individual side doesn't mean that saying that this is a concept album is instantly negated. Like, this this could be like a multiple concept album if you really want to think about it. Of course, Ian Anderson would beg to differ, but he's Ian he's yeah. Anderson. He, he wrote these songs. He should, he should know what's best. Yeah. want to read the Robert Kriska review? Oh, yeah. Um, Ian Anderson is like the town freethinker. 
As long as you're stuck in the same town yourself, his in-shout cultural interests and skeptical views on religion and human behavior are refreshing. But meet up with him in the city, and he could turn out to be a real bore. Of course, he can also yeah. turn out to be Bob Dylan. It all depends on whether he rejected provincial values out of a thirst for more uh, out of a reflexive negativism, And on yeah. whether he was pretentious only because he didn't know any better. C+. Plus. Okay. Oh. Okay, Robert. Uh, L plus ratio plus I'm giving this an A minus. Yeah, same here. Yeah, yeah same. <laughs> Did you know that uh, Cross-Eyed Mary was covered by Iron Maiden? Oh, really? Oh. Yeah. In fact, it is the B-side to their most famous song, The Trooper. Mm. So when we cover Iron Maiden, that'll be a good thing to cover. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I gotta one say... One of my favorite songs... Oh, yeah. go ahead. No, no, you go ahead. I was gonna say that one of my favorite songs is the song that's currently playing up to me. Hmm. That's the one where Ian Anderson becomes a full-fledged narcissist, isn't it? <laughs> uh... Because, yeah, it's up to me. It's my life. Me. Me, 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 me. Mm. Oh, well. Uh... Like the, just like the... I like that. Yeah, it's a, it's a nice... Uh... We're a bit quiet today, aren't we? Yeah. That's okay. Um, I bet Aquilon was also very quiet. Remember in Anchorman when Ron Burgundy just randomly pulled out the Aqualung riff? Yeah, apparently huh. Will Ferrell actually does play the flute IRL. Huh. Will Ferrell is one of the most bass celebrities. I love, I love when celebrities can be based. So much yeah. better when they're cringe, like uh, Ezra Miller. Mm. Mm. Remember uh, when the Flash you... put a baby in a microwave? <laughs> <laughs> the best scene in the movie right there. Yes. <laughs> and turned... I actually did see, I saw the movie after the meme, so... <laughs> Yeah. Interest in the context, and it was in reverse. Yeah, I was I was disappointed. But as it turns out, the the baby the Flash put in the microwave was Aqualung. Ah, <laughs> uh, <laughs> he saved us. Hey, I have a question. Did any of you listen to "Lick Your Fingers Clean"? Nope. No. <laughs> I didn't. I was just asking. Yeah, uh, part of the special edition. It's just I'd be I wouldn't be surprised if it was just two and a half minutes of Ian Anderson licking his fingers clean ASMR. Never listened to the interview either, so I, I just listened to the album part. Only true Chad listened to the interview. I did not. Fourteen minute song, but with <laughs> limited instruments. <laughs> Acapella. Let me. It would be so funny if they just included an interview on an al- on the album, like in like you buy the album in 1971. Uh, wind up is ending, and you're just left thinking about what you just heard for the past 40 minutes. And now that there's like a there's a 14 minute interview you have to listen to before you can take the needle off. <laughs> you there technically? Listen, you're forced to listen to this interview, <laughs> or else you will not see your family again. What was that, Paul? Wasn't there an interview in the? Uh... I mean Garfunkel. Oh, voices album. of old people. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Uh, imagine oh that for I 14 minutes. Imagine for completely forgetting about voices of old people. These. How dare you forget about the greatest song ever? Right next to <laughs> that L.A. Heinz Blues. Baked beans. That <laughs> baked beans. Forget about Heinz baked beans. And oh, and Heinz baked beans. Yes. Um, reputation stained from bear. <laughs> yeah. The extra. Extra curse word edition. Mm. Um, I I did not think I liked the shorter, slower songs as much, but they were pretty beautiful. I especially liked the winds on Cheap Day Return and the strings on Wondering Aloud and Slipstream. Especially at the end of Slipstream when the strings were going meow, meow, meow. That was cool. (laughs) 
Yeah, I like it when they do that. <laughs> I like it when strings can do string stuff. I love how, like, we didn't, we didn't, like, mention Locomotive Breath at all. That's, like, their biggest hit off this album that wasn't Aqualung. <laughs> it's, like, their second most uh, popular song on Spotify. Uh, and also, I'm, I'm glad that Cheap Day in Return and Wondering Aloud are also getting, like, more streams. They're, like, at in 10 million and 15 million streams, respectively. And they're, like, yeah. a minute and two minutes each. So, uh, I'm glad people are listening to the, to the beautiful songs. And speaking of beautiful, this flute solo is to die for. I'm not going yeah. to die for it, but it is still very beautiful. Yeah. Because the song is my god, and to suicide would not do anything <laughs> for me. Yeah. I don't know if anyone else thinks this, but I think this would actually be a pretty good album to introduce to a theater kid. Not just for its religious themes that wouldn't be too out of place if put on bare pop opera, not just because of the various flutes on various tracks, but also because it kind of just, it feels like a, a rock musical with the shorter, like, Baroque Renaissance songs. And there's, like, this one riff on Him 43 that I'm, like, absolutely could be, like, in a rock musical. Like, like, I think that kind of guitar scratching in the latter half is absolutely something a rock musical would do. <laughs> yeah. Let it be known. Let it be known on this day that you officially like Aqualong better. Spring Awakening. <laughs> That's. I'm not gonna. I'm. I'm proud of that. I'm. I am proud to like Aqualong better than Spring Awakening. <laughs> you know what? Uh, Aqualong has that Spring Awakening doesn't have. What's that? Uh Flute. Flute. Wait, is there flute on Spring Awakening? Only in the back. Um, uh, doesn't have I jingle noticed. bells. I don't, I don't think Spring Awakening has jingle bells, but there's jingle bells on Up To Me. Mm. Yeah, Bear doesn't have jingle bells either. You see? <laughs> I feel like, um, Bear Pop Opera is better conceptually than Aqualung, but I feel like I would rather listen to Aqualung than that because 43 minutes versus two hours, uh, which, how much time you got. Yeah. Including interview. Yeah. Bear pop opera, but with an added 14-minute interview. Like, all the kids come out for the curtain call, and then a guy comes out and interviews them all. It's like the rainbow connection for interviewers. <laughs> um, for context, the, like, Hermit the Frog is pretty much contractually obligated to perform rainbow connection every so often. Just as every interviewer is obligated to interview someone at the end of an album. I would have loved to see the 14-minute interview at the end of Fun House, and every time the interviewer asks a question, like, what was your creative process? Iggy Pop just screams like a madman and destroys the studio. <laughs> no, wait, 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 wait. Um, it would be funny if at the end of Indiana Jones at the Dial of Destiny, there, in, instead of, like, during the credits, it, it was just an interview with um, Harrison Ford, where he's forced to answer Star Wars-related questions. <laughs> and he answers every question with fuck you. <laughs> because he's Harrison Ford and he gets to do whatever the hell he wants. Um, this man is not on this album, but uh, before this album, Jethro Tull's bassist was Glenn Cornick. Uh, rest in peace, he died in 2014. And uh, I've listened to his bass work on the previous albums. He is very, very good. But can I just say, he looks like the... He looks like every single hippie you have ever seen in your entire life molded into one person. He looks, yeah. like, he looks like John Lennon's face pasted onto, like, this one Muppet guy. Oh, uh, Foy Pepper? 
Um, no, he doesn't have long hair like Janice? that. And he's like, um, I, I mean, he's like, he, no, I, no, he looks like every Electric Mayhem member rolled into, like, a human being with John Lennon's face. Yeah. I wonder how like, Glenn, I, thought... I wonder how Glenn Cornick <laughs> is feeling from this from up there. <laughs> I thought that the cover art was just, like, some guy, but no, it's, like, meant to be the main guy. What would Glenn Cornick think of the Yummo cut of Beauty and the Beast? The Yummo Wickersham cut of Beauty and the Beast. I've not seen that. Is this is that just every single Beauty and the Beast rolled into one? Yes. Um. Yeah. Oh, um. It, it's yeah. like Mordo, a friend of the Shape Gang, made it, and like you can watch it on Drive or Mega. Hmm. Does Beast uh, get destroyed by a helicopter in that one? It would be funny if he did. <laughs> I believe they make it. one for Lion King. Um, they should. I mean, I mean, it if would be they interesting don't, to see. If we don't, we will. We will make the Sprig Planter edition of Lion King. Yes, <laughs> yes. And, like, it, it would be so interesting to see the movie, but with the first movie, but with the um the one and a half scenes like playing in real time alongside them. Wait, no. Um, what if we made the Frank Chofi edition of Lion King? What would that be like? I don't know, but uh, think of something with David Hyde Pierce in it. I don't know. Um, yeah. Man, imagine what Aqualung would be like if instead of Ian Anderson, it was Rupert Hall. I thought you were going to oh. talk about Jethro Tull, Bell's magical world. <laughs> I never want to oh. see any of these characters again. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> The final song, Wind Up, is about Ian Anderson realizing he is atheistic. And it's a very beautiful song. Uh, but not as beautiful as uh, Slipstream. It's it's my least favorite song off the album, but I don't think anything off this album is bad, so... What does that say? It's too short. <laughs> That's the biggest problem. <clears throat> Yeah, it should be 14 minutes longer and have an interview at the end of it. What if the a, wait? A, what if the 14 minute interview was tacked on with another 14 minute interview? <laughs> oh my God, we have a new running gag. And that interview was tacked interview. with another interview. <laughs> Interviewception. They interview the interviewer. And then they interview that interviewer. What's that movie? The movie about a person making a behind the scenes of the behind the scenes of a mo- a short film or something. It's like a weird long title. Simioplaxism. Yes. Yes. That's that that, yes. I would oh, love. I, I, of. I would love to see to like. That. I'd love to see like a movie where like a bunch of interviews happen and the interviewers like play like telephone with each other and like the original interview is like completely different from the the, the final interview is completely different from how the first interview was. I'd be there. Some Monty Python skit waiting to happen. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but uh, Paul, what were you gonna say earlier? I had a random thought listening to this album because lately I've been getting a lot of Simpsons clips on YouTube recommended to me. Hmm. I don't watch a lot of Simpsons, but one of the one of the clips I had gotten was when Simpson had 
dispersed a bunch of music sheets to everyone to sing the hymns, and it was in the Garden of Eden. Oh yeah. <laughs> and and the woman just goes all out on the on the church on the organ. organ for seventeen. She minutes. does the whole seventeen <laughs> minutes. <laughs> yeah. And she faints at the end. Yeah. But and I had the thought of what if they did him 43 on it but then i realized 17 minutes of in the garden of eden is a lot funnier than yeah. 43 yeah. it was a random thought i had in my head when listening to it it'd be funny if i was able to transcribe like the title track to oregon and i get to hear everyone blindly sing sitting on the park bench eyeing little girls <laughs> with bad intent no i'm not Wait gonna do minute. it i'm not gonna do it don't worry uh, Wait a minute. This sounds like either rock or roll. <laughs> In the cat. Oh my god. <laughs> Dad Simpson's scene. Yeah. I would totally trick a church into singing Aqua Lung. Uh, me too. But I'm too wait, cowardice I'm gonna, to do it. I want to trick a Wait, no way. I want to trick a church into singing No Big Deal. <laughs> <laughs> Ian Anderson has always, to me, felt like that outsider, that homeless, goat-legged martyr who lives in the woods and plays the wooden flute. He says a lot of weird stuff, and you have no idea what he's saying or why he's saying it, but, like, I could just Im imagine him emerging from the murky British forests and that deep, like, British cockney accent. He's probably missing a shoe or something, and he just blasts on the flute. And he's just never gonna leave you alone until you listen. Yeah. <laughs> he is the one-eyed Wally of progressive rock. <laughs> and with that amphibia reference, which is probably like three for the night, um, let's go around the room. Uh, Romy, you start us off. Um, I give it six golden bananas plus out of Shigeru Miyamoto. Oh, bringing, um, that, bringing out that old chestnut again, aren't you? Uh, yeah, um, actually I give it an 8.5. Alrighty, and would you recommend it to a theater kid? Uh, probably not Aqualung, but uh, a couple other songs I would. Yeah. <laughs> it, yeah, because it'd be such a flex uh, to say, um, hey, theater kids, listen to this song. It's about a pedophile. I've been <laughs> musical theater songs about pedophiles before, I'm sure. Yeah. At least three. Name one. <laughs> Actually, you can name them later. Just give me your rating. All right. Uh, um, I'll give it an 8.7 out of 10. All right. Since we're going by our adding our scores by 0.20 points, I will give this an 8.9. And I would recommend this to a theater kid, as I previously stated, because I I feel like there's a, there's a lot of things in this album that theater kids would enjoy: the lyrics confronting society and uh, church and religion, the flute. These strings. Ian Anderson's voice may not be the most uh, cleanest. It is pretty coarse, but I feel like I feel like most theater kids can look past a bad voice if there is good writing and deep uh, thought put into this album. And I can tell you, a lot mm -hmm. of thought was put into this album. Yeah. Also, uh, Paul, you didn't, you never you never said if you would recommend this or not. I think I would. Yeah. All right. Good job, Jethro Tull. You made a great album. We're so proud of you. Yes. We look forward to seeing you in 1972 with uh, Thick as a Brick. Don't worry, guys. Even though it's like two 20-minute songs, it's actually very easy to get through. We'll also see them in 1977 with Songs from the Wood, an album which I think is plenty of underrated. <laughs> I almost said overrated. Mm. <laughs> no. um, but yeah, it's it kind of has the that folky feel of Mother Goose. 
and it, it expands on that sound. Uh, I think that's a wonderful album. Uh, so yeah, yeah I'll, I'll see those guys uh, when we get to those. Uh, is there anything yeah. interesting that I also want to mention about these guys? Uh, we already mentioned the Grammys incident. I would like to mention that I was thinking about it, and I thought, I wonder if Spring Awakening is has pedophiles in it, and then I thought, nah, technically no. But then I did some research. Turns out Lolita is a musical. Oh, the the novel that was also a Kubrick movie. <laughs> yeah, Lolita, my love. That's uh, the name of it. Have you I'm, guys seen Lolita? I have it's not. It's just like that, but fine. <laughs> For, I look forward to not doing it on this podcast. Does Beetlejuice count? Um, like the when... green card thing. Like when Lydia has to marry uh, Beetlejuice to save uh, the couple or something. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's a bridge we'll cross when we get to Beetlejuice. But right. I that's not the album that's next on my list. So the legitimacy of Jethro Tull's Aqualung is a concept album I we discussed uh, many minutes before this. There are plenty of cases for this to be a concept album. And yet Ian Anderson repeatedly has stated that this is not a concept album. So how do we feel about that? Should we respect the artist's opinion or should we just say, nah, screw it. This is a concept album. Stupid old man doesn't know anything about art. Art can be an interpretive form and to separate it from the artist depends on the person you talk to. Yeah, I can guarantee you that Ian Anderson is a good man. No need to separate the art. Uh, but yeah, um... You know, yeah, let's just, uh, let's go the interpretive route and say Aqualung is a concept album, which means we get to look at a theater album next week. Yay! Yay! Uh, and I was originally going to do this for Genesis selling England by the pound because it's very, 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 very British. But, um, since it's at, like, the top of the theater album list, I'm like... You know what? Let's just do this now. Uh, what's the harm? This album is also very, 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 very British. Not as British as Genesis singing by the pound, of course, but still. So, the next musical we will be looking at is Something Rotten. Ooh! Oh, yeah! <laughs> with a 14-minute interview with William Shakespeare tacked on as a bonus track for some oh. reason. <laughs> <laughs> yes! I hear what well, I hear Ian Anderson is the interviewer. <laughs> 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 oh, okay, thank you. <laughs>